Matthew 6, chapter, verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for you. We thank you, dear Lord, for the opportunity to be able to preach your word today, dear God. We pray, Father, you touch every life that's here. Open our hearts, dear God, to receive your word. And, Father, if there be those that are here that don't know you, let them feel your love, dear Lord. For we have such an awesome time this morning, dear God. You have rained your spirit upon us. and We are ready to receive, dear God, what you have for us. And we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we say, amen. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. God bless you. We are in this part three of the blessed life. And if you can remember back far enough in high school, before our society tried to to get God out of school, there was a poem called Paradise Lost, written by John Milton. It was choired reading for some of us. Now, you can date yourself if you'd like to, but do you, do you remember when you had to read that, Paradise Lost? It was something that we, we all had to read, and if you had to read it, then you would know that this, this poem painted a, a pretty detailed picture of hell. John Milton showed Satan as a fallen commander and, and, and chief uh, that was surrounded by his demon generals. And among them was Moloch and Dagon and Astar and, and, and many other of those, those idol worshippers that were in the ancient time and they, they were mentioned throughout the Bible. But John Milton in his poem, he, he mentioned one demon that stood at the side of Satan. And that demon was called Manon. Jesus here within these verses clearly tells us that it's impossible to serve Manon instead of serving God. He goes on to say it's impossible to serve both at the same time even. And according to Jesus, there is no middle ground here. He says that you will either love the one and hate the other, or you'll be loyal to one and despise the other. See, Manon is a jealous God. And Jesus certainly makes a very striking contrast between the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Mammon here. But what is Mammon? Mammon, then, it's an Arabic word that means riches. Riches. The Syrians got the concept of a, a god of wealth from their neighbor, the Babylonians. Now, I want you to think about Babylon was a city that was founded upon pride and erixy. In Genesis 11 chapter, we read the story here in, in verse 3 and 4, so we're going to take off here, and it says, and they, they said one to another, go to, let us make bricks, and burn them thoroughly, that they had bricks for stone, and slime had there for the mortar. And they said, go to, let us build a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven. Let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. At the heart of this city... There was an attitude here that they had. And the attitude was simply, man does not need God. That was their attitude. We are self-sufficient. This is what the spirit of Manum tries to tell us. You don't need God. Trust in riches. Trust in riches. This is what I want you to understand today, that Manum is, is a spirit that rests upon money. 
It's not money, but it's the spirit that rests upon money. And I believe all money has spirit, a spirit upon it. See, money can either have the spirit of God upon us or the spirit of man on it. Remember the word of God says this in Exodus 13, verse 12 through 13. It says, you must send all firstborn sons, firstborn male animals to the Lord, for they belong to him. A firstborn donkey may be brought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or a young goat in his place. But if you do not buy it back, you must break his neck. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. It is so important for us to understand the principle here of firstborn. According to the Old Testament law, the firstborn was to either be sacrificed or redeemed. Sacrificed or redeemed. There was no third option. Every time one of the livestock animals delivered its firstborn, you were to sacrifice it. Or if it was designated unclean, you had to redeem it with a clean, spotless lamb. Now, understand what I'm saying. The clean firstborn had to be sacrificed. The unclean firstborn had to be redeemed. So it is with your money and your riches. Money that is submitted to God in his purpose has the spirit of God on it, which is why it's multiplied and cannot be consumed by devourers. You see, your money that has been submitted to God, wealth that is devoted to serving him rather than trying to replace him is blessed by God. But on the other hand, money that is not submitted to God has the spirit of man on it, and you will lose it, that money becomes a curse. Many people think money can bring them happiness or fulfillment, but if, if it's not redeemed, then it becomes a curse. Manum is the spirit of the world and the spirit of a liar. Hear that. I notice that people that are under the influence of the spirit of manum tends to have the most fear about their money. That's why Jesus says you cannot serve God and manum. Manum wants to rule. See, the spirit of manum is looking for servants. It is seeking for worshipers. It will promise you everything but deliver you nothing. Jesus tells us that manum tries to take the very place of God. Manum would promise us those things that only God can give. Things like security, significance, identity, independence, power, and freedom. Manum will tell you that he can, it can isolate you from life problems, that money is the answer to every situation. When you think, really think about Manum, it is nothing more than the system of this falling world that stands in a sharp opposition to God and his ways. Manum says to buy and sell. God says sow and weep. Manum says to cheat and steal. God says give and receive. But one of the things that Manum wants to do is he wants to rule. He wants his servants. He wants his worshipers. And so he does his very best to get that. And just to prove that point in Revelation 13 through 16 and 17, in the end time, we know when the great tribulation comes, that, that it, here, here we go into this setting here. And it says, and he caused all both small and great, rich and uh, poor, <clears throat> free and bond, to receive a mark in the right hand are in their forehead, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that has the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. 
See, the Antichrist would be attempting to dominate people through the use of economics. He tries to prevent people from buying and selling unless what? They submit to him. So the spirit of Manum is wanting is, is worshipers. He wants to rule. And so we find the brief rule of the Antichrist will be through the spirit of Manum. Jesus says, you cannot serve God and man because the spirit of man stands in a direct opposition to the spirit of God. Now, I'm not one of those poverty preachers that will tell you that money is evil. That's not what the Bible says. 1 Timothy 6 and 10 says, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which why some covet after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Notice the Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all kinds of evil. It says the love of or the worship of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So in other words, it's the greed. It's the covetousness. It's the selfishness which may be manifested through the spirit of Manum. You see, Manum says to take, God says to give. Manum is selfish and God is generous. Manum will will do a number on Christians especially. See, the spirit of man will say to you, if you're a Christian, if you just had more money, you could really start helping more people. Jesus never told anyone that the answer was more money. Money is not the answer to our problem, but God is the answer to our problems. Money is not the answer to your problems, but God is always, always the answer to your problems. Now, don't misunderstand me. Jesus is not telling us to hate money. That's my wife. Jesus is saying, hate mammon. The greed, the selfishness, the lying, the deceivings, that antichrist-like spirit that operates through the love of money to worship it. It's a story that I want to share with you in Luke 16, verse 9 through 13. And I say unto you, make to yourself friends of mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fell, they may receive you into everlasting habitation. He that is faithful in that which is least, that faithful also is in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore we have not been faithful in the unrighteous manner, who will commit to you to trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can to serve two masters, for either we hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the other and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Here Jesus is calling mammon unrighteous, but notice he wasn't calling money unrighteous. Jesus was calling the spirit that rests upon that money unrighteous. You see, money can be used for either unrighteous or righteous purposes. It can be used for temporal or it can be used for eternal purposes within our life. Make, what makes the money righteous or unrighteous if it has been submitted to God versus being used as an attempt to replace God? You hear that? When you look at these verses, it says to you to use our money for that which is eternal or everlasting. 
And that is what, when we look at that and we say, well, what, what is eternal? What is everlasting? And it's got to be just one thing that pops in our mind. People. People. See, the human soul is eternal. If I use my money to bring people to Christ, what I like about this, I, I, I started weeping when I was telling a lady about it the other day. Because she gives so much, and she don't give to our church, but she even gives to our church oftentimes when we have a need. And Cody speaks, and all of a sudden she just gets the checkbook out. And, and I was telling her about it, and I just started weeping because I said, you know all the giving that you have done? When you die and go to heaven, there's going to be a committee of people that's going to stand there waiting for you. And they're going to say, thank you for giving. Because you gave, I heard the gospel. Because you gave, I, I was able to hear the gospel and be able to be set free. Thank you for your giving. The eternal things, people, is what it's about. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you can buy your way into heaven. But if we are saved and we use our money that God has entrusted to us to affect people, to help them hear the gospel, that those people, I believe that the word of God says, will be a welcome committee when you get to heaven. You see, Jesus can turn water into wine. He can turn money into souls. He is the only one who can transform unrighteous matter into true riches. Matthew 6 19 through 21 says this. Lay not up your self-treasures upon the earth where moth and rust does corrupt, but where thieves can break and steal, break through and steal. But lay, your, lay up your self-treasures in heaven, for neither moth nor rust can corrupt, where thieves cannot break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. When we use our money for righteous purpose, we lay up treasures in heaven. Hmm. This is why I want to be a wise steward of my money. I want to use it to invest in churches and ministries that are investing in people's lives. I want the money that God has blessed me with to be used in helping those people and loving those people and feeding those people and caring for those people. And that's what South Point does. See, we can make a difference with our giving. That's why the, the enemy of our soul works so hard to corrupt and distort our thoughts about money. Because the devil knows that the more money we give to the church, the more souls are going to be saved, the more the kingdom of God is going to advance, and, and the more and less the kingdom of darkness is going to further their attempt. They're going to fail. So he doesn't want you to get financially free. He doesn't want you to tithe. He doesn't want you to give in offerings so that your money can be blessed and multiplied. But what I've noticed over the years is that the that Manum has friends. Has friends. My brother Joy, we my girls went to a funeral years ago in Bacoshi, Oklahoma. And uh, they went to him to the funeral and, and as the people were, you know, Going by, 
all Joey's good old buddies were coming and shaking his hands. Now, y'all understand, Joey, the type, when we transferred, my dad coached, and when we transferred from Bacola and went to Panama, which we ended up graduating, and, and just to let y'all know, Panama is Panama Razorbacks. And so I was a Razorback at one time. And it sure hurt my spirit. But, but Joy, went to, when he came over to go to class, he got with this crowd. And every class Joy went to, they got kicked out of. And Joy was in this one class, and one of the, one of the guys, a big old guy, he had a big old full beard. I mean, he was a rough-looking dude, about 6'4", and... and he grabbed one of the windows and opened the windows up. And, and when he grabbed the window, it came out. And he pulled the whole window out. And he handed it to Joy. And when the teacher looked around, Joy had the window in his hand. And Joy, of course, got kicked out of that class. While I was in my dad's class, being a couple of my friends, and it was filled with girls. And, of course, at that time, that's why we was there. And <laughs> Joy and his crew walked in. And when they walked in, guess what happened? All the girls got up and walked out and changed class. Because Joy and his rough crew, well, my girls come and went to that funeral with him. They came back and they said, Dad, Uncle Joy, he's got friends in low places. <laughs> and I said, yeah, he does. <laughs> well, the spirit of Manum has these friends. They run in the same circle, especially when it comes to wealth and giving. Just as the, the spirit of Manum will keep you from living the blessed life, so will the spirit of poverty and the spirit of pride. See, the spirit of poverty will, will cause you to be ashamed of the blessings of God. If you are faithful and generous steward, you'll be blessed by God. There is no voided. The more you give away, the more God bestows upon you. Being a giver will, will result in blessings. The devil can't stop it, but he, he can try to make you ashamed of it. See, this is the job of the spirit of poverty. And I have seen so many people being afflicted by it, not just the rich, but the poor also. Think about this for a moment. Is there anything God would do in your life that should feel you should feel ashamed of? If God does it in your life. Because you were obedient to God, and you did things God's way, and you've been blessed, then why do you need to apologize for the blessings of God? And there's another friend, the spirit of pride. The spirit of pride says, you've earned this stuff. You have worked hard. Your abilities and talents has made all this happen. I want you to know that you should be proud of the blessings of God. But you should understand where they came from, God and not you. Amen. See, the spirit of pride says wealth comes from hard working. The spirit of poverty says wealth comes from the devil. The spirit of pride says you, you should be proud of what you have. You earned it. And the spirit of poverty says you should be ashamed of what you have. But both of these spirits get us focused on stuff instead of God. We become centered up on the blessings instead of the blesser. It's all a trap. 
They will get your eyes off the blesser. In James 1 and 17, it says this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of light, which whom is no variance, neither shadow of turning. So in closing, my first closing, I want to talk to you about this final verse. Luke 16, 10 through 12. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If you therefore, you have not been faithful in the unrighteous man, who will commit to you trust and you, you trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's man, who shall give you that which is your own? There's a word that keeps showing up all through the entire message about being living this blessed life. There's one word that will sum it all up. And it's called faithful. 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 Faithfulness is a big thing to God. God wants you to be faithful to him. Because God is faithful to you. Hear me. Not only does God want you to be faithful to him, but throughout the scriptures you find that God talks about a man and a woman. When they make vows to one another, what does he require? For them to be faithful to one another. We find that God talks to his servants about being faithful. Faithful. God is big in faithfulness. Faithfulness. And we live in a society that's big in unfaithfulness. See, the difference between a child of God and those that are operating in the world system is that big word, faithful. Faithful. I'm faithful to God. And because I'm faithful to God, I'm faithful to my wife. My wife is faithful unto God. I will tell you, there's probably not a more godly woman I know than this lady on this front row. Not only is she faithful to God, she is faithful to me. She has been my partner for 36 years now and stood beside me. She is faithful. We taught our girls to be faithful, even the faithful to Cody and Michael. And that's hard to do. They are troopers. Faithfulness is a big thing. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Psalms 101 and 6 says, My eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He that walks in perfect ways, he shall serve me. Proverbs 28 and 20 says, a faithful, must, a faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that makes haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Matthew 25 and 21 says, His Lord says unto him, 
well done, thy good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter in into the joy of the Lord. Faithful to God is everything. Definition of faithful in Webster's definition is true and constant in affection or alliance to a person to whom one is bound by a vow, by ties of love, gratitude, or honor. As to a husband, a prince, a friend, firm and observing of duties and loyal and true, of true and fidelity, as a faithful husband or a servant. Faithful. Me and Eric was talking the other day in my office. I spent a whole week with Eric praying with me. And we was talking about some things, and he said, Brother, I want you to know, because Eric's part of my family. He's like my son. I've raised him on the good things. And we was talking, and he said, I want you to know, blood is always thicker than water with me and you. Blood is always thicker than water. You understand that? When you're part of the family of God, the same blood that flows through your veins flows through my veins. And that's the Emmanuel blood that's flowing through us because we've been cleansed with the blood of Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand that in that blood there is an ingredient that will not disappear, will not go away. And it is that word called faithful. Faithful. God's children are faithful. We don't get caught up in the unfaithful system where we'll have unrighteous manum flowing in our hands, but we will submit God's riches unto him, and we will say, God, we know that when we permit them unto you, dear Lord, we submit that to you, then it becomes righteous manum, and the devourer can't get in it, but it also you will multiply it so we can give more, dear Lord. And so we submit it unto you because we know the word Faithfulness dwells within our DNA. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. God's blessings are upon each and every one of you this morning. You are alive. You have clothes to wear. You have shoes on your feet and a roof over your head. That was one of my dad's soul songs he loved. And if you don't have those things, then never forget God's grace that has been extended to every human being that ever walked upon the face of the earth. You have an opportunity to have your sins forgiven. And let the blood of Jesus cleanse you and make you whole. For you'll have eternity in heaven and all the riches of heaven, which the greatest riches, and as far as I'm concerned, the only riches in heaven is the King of kings and the Lord of lords when we get to see him. Faithfulness is what it's about. If you're faithful, God blesses. If you're unfaithful with the riches that God gives you, then they become unrighteous men. And they will rule you and they will control you. But if you're a giver, then chains have been broken off. And God begins to multiply and begins to bless. And they begin to say, Lord, mercy, what happened to this person? 
I had a testimony from a lady, and I'm not going to mention names, because she said that a lady called her today real close to her. And she said, I've seen so much change in you and your husband since y'all started going to church and started doing the things you do. God has changed y'all so much. I just like to come to your church and see what's going on. You know? When you start doing things God's way, it's not always in the richest of this land, but it's in the riches of God that he blesses you with. People see the difference in you. They know. They know. You're different. And some of you are really different. <laughs> but you're different. Because of your faithfulness, God will bless you. And at the closing of your life, because of your faithfulness, God says, because you've been faithful, enter in to the joy of the Lord. Because you've been faithful. Hear me. Because you've been faithful. I'd like to say in our marriage that I get my way all the time. But I can tell you 99.9% of the time I don't. And in my walk with God, sometimes I don't get what I want. Mm -mm. And you know, I, I, I dream big. Once we got this church, and we got to here, the deacons, they cornered me up in a meeting. What do you want to do next? What's the next big project? They didn't know I was going to start another church in out of Oklahoma. But... I dream big. You know why? Because I've been faithful to the big God, and every time I dream big, God makes it happen. I just believe that God can make things happen because of my faithfulness. Not because of me, but because of my faithfulness. Stand with me if you would. God is good, amen? Many times in our lives, we let riches control us. I was telling a story to some people the other day. You know, I have a safety engineering degree. And uh, I... Uh, Used to work for Bowdoin. And I was in and out of the corporate office constantly. And they was pushing me into the sales position. And they offered me a job. And I'm not talking 100000 I'm talking around 500000 a year. And there was only a catch. A couple of catches. One is that when you entertain our people, uh, you're going to have to drink with them. Say, well, I, I'll, I'll drink my tea. 
but I won't, I won't do that. I said, if your, if your stuff can't be sold and me not get people drunk and drink with them, I said, I probably don't need to represent you. We never got past that. <laughs> but then they offered me a job. I had to go six months and live in China for six months and then come home for six months. That meant for six months I wouldn't see my kids. I mean, six months I wouldn't see my wife. I wouldn't trade those riches. And sometimes you have to, and I'm not knocking you. My son-in-law does it. He knows I'm not knocking him. I want him home, but, but he has to do what he has to do. Uh, I'm just making a point here. Me and him's had this conversation many times. I'm just making a point here. I had a calling on my life. My calling was to preach the gospel and pastor a church. And I would have had to gave that up. And all those riches would become unrighteous mammon. Understand that. And I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision. My decision was, goodbye job. Hello, God. You know, that's my decision. You know. And I've been put, and you will be put in those times and those places over and over again. I've been put in those situations when I was pastoring in Haywood. I had one of the largest church in that area. And I had to make a decision to come home. God was pushing me to give that up and come home and step down from being a senior pastor of a big staff and all the things that we had going on. And we were, do, we were tearing the county up. And I made that decision to come home. And then to leave Evangel Temple to come to a church running 12 people. But look, look what God has done. We ran 340 people last Sunday, and we're probably past that this Sunday. And we got multitude of people out today. See, when you are faithful, God increases your blessings. He does. You know that. Every one of us know that. But the spirit of man will start talking to you. Oh, you can have this. No, I'll be faithful. I'll be faithful. You know what I'm talking about, guys, when I say this? And if you don't care for the spirit of lust, can get over. Young lady go walking down the road, you know, down down the mall, and you almost got to put blinders on anymore the way they dress. And you'll see that young lady. If you're not careful, bang, you're caught up in lust. Right? True. Hmm? Nobody's gonna admit it. It's your wife right back. But that's the truth. And you forget. How faithful that wife has been. How faithful that husband has been. They've stuck with you. They've stuck with you. 
has been faithful. Now, the devil, the spirit of man, wants to flash that shiny tool in the corner, doesn't he? Here comes the friend. You'll start busting up. You've got to make a decision. Do I be faithful to God? Who's never let me down? Who's never failed me? Who's never kicked me out? Who's never picked anybody else above me? But he's always been there for me. Been faithful to me. Been faithful to me. Our God is faithful. And if we are faithful people, Robbie, he's got you. We're faithful. We're faithful. Lee, everything's all right. Because why? You're faithful. We're faithful people. God's blessings rest upon us. As we pray. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for you. We thank you to God for this great opportunity to be able to teach and preach your word. I pray, Father, you touch every life that's here. Let them leave today knowing that you are faithful. That when we are faithful, you will bless an unbelievable blessings. And the sad thing about it, because you are so faithful, even when we are unfaithful, you still bless us. Let us never forget that. Father, if there's some here that don't know you today, let them experience the faithful God that we serve. Let their life change today. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.